Open up God's Word this morning. Let's take some time to pray. Prepare our hearts. And I'll start us off, um, but I want you guys individually to take some time before the Lord to ask Him to help, to give Him thanks, to bring whatever is distracting you, whatever is weighing you down, whatever is good, bring it to Him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the children who helped us worship this morning. Lord, we do ask for their salvation. Lord, it's wonderful to hear them sing about Jesus, and we do pray that their hearts would be for Jesus and that they would see him as the good gift that you are. Lord, As we prepare our hearts to worship by hearing your word, please hear us. Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit now as we open your word. Lord, we cannot understand it on our own. For the natural man, the things in this book are folly. But we want to know you, and we need your help to do so. Please give us ears to hear, give us eyes to see, give us minds to understand, and give us hearts to to be full with you. Lord, we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you would, get a Bible nearby you or open up the one you brought and open up to the book of Isaiah. As we're going there, I want to read another passage of Scripture that ties in with what the kids were teaching us this morning. The letter of James records in chapter 1. Every good gift, every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Gifts from Dad. You ever receive a gift from your dad? And I'm pausing here because this can be a question that for some of us, we answer absolutely gladly, delightfully. For some, our earthly dads gave us tons of good. And for others, this question, it's devastating. For others, what your dad did was give you, instead of good gifts, gave you a deep gash across your gut or across your heart because maybe he wasn't there or maybe he was there but he wasn't there and you know what that means or maybe he was there and what he did to you was anything but a good gift what's your idea about a father You know, ancient Israel had some ideas about fathers, too, in Isaiah's day. They had fathers who encouraged them to worship in the temple of Baal, a false god of the Canaanites who was appeased by offerings and sexual promiscuity. They had fathers who encouraged them to seek out the astrologers, the New Age mediums of the day the people who supposedly spoke to the dead 
in order to figure out how to live. They even had fathers who sacrificed and encouraged other fathers to sacrifice their kids to another false god called Molech. You see, fatherhood in ancient Israel was in really bad shape. And from the stories that I know just a little bit here, we still have some broken ideas of what a father is or ought to be. Because fatherhood is supposed to represent God's action with his people. In the Bible, God is called a father. So when God speaks as a father, when God gives a gift as a father, what do you believe he's like? What kind of gift do you believe that he gives you? Does he give you a gash across the chest and stomach? Or does he give you a gift that surpasses all other gifts? in value, in beauty, in gloriousness, such that we would know beyond a doubt that he is for us. Would you stand as we read God's word this morning in Isaiah chapter 9, that we might know that he, a father, is for us. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us... A child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. You may be seated. The people of Israel were given the identity of this gift from God through four names in this passage. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So in this series on His Name Shall Be Called, we've already heard how Jesus is this wonderful Counselor, this Mighty God. And today we open up God's good and perfect gift to the remnant of Israel, 
those who did not worship in the temple of Baal, who did not look to the astrologers, who did not go near the heaps of smoldering ash around the ritual sites of Molech, but those who by faith trusted in God the Father sending his Messiah, who would be called the everlasting Father. So today, may we open up the same gift which is for us, Jesus, who is called Everlasting Father. So let's consider this gift. Just in his name, two words, Everlasting Father. Jesus is everlasting. His name shall be called Everlasting. This is incredible. This is everlasting, eternal. This means that Jesus had no beginning, and he has no end. True, he took on the name Jesus when he took on flesh as a man, in a point of time, in history, it's real. But he was always the Son of God. Before Abraham was, I am, he said. He was calling attention to the reality that he is God, and as God, of course he's going to be before Abraham. Because Abraham's not God. Jesus is God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, that Word, was in the beginning with God. Jesus is everlasting. And this is fundamental. This is foundational to Christianity. If the Son of God is not eternal, then he's a created being. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, a.k.a. Mormons, believe that Jesus is created. He's not eternal. And thus, they are not actually Christian. The Bible does not, <laughs> this book does not hide at all the fact that Jesus is God and has been God from eternity past and will be God through eternity future. He's even everlasting during his three days in the grave. You know, it wasn't as if God ceased to be God when Jesus died on the cross for our sins. If God wasn't everlasting, everything would rip apart. Did you know that? Colossians 1 verse 17 says, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And in fact, Jesus even rebuked the disciples after he had risen from the dead because they believed that he, had been, he was gone for good. In Luke 24, he says, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He is everlasting. But what does that mean for us, that Jesus is everlasting? Well, it means he's not going to disappear on us. When God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, in Joshua 1 verse 5 and Hebrews 13 verse 5, he wasn't giving us a white lie to help us to feel more comfortable. He gave us truth, and truth that we can bank all of our lives on. Because he is everlasting, 
When all around my soul gives way, the hymn goes, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand. No other ground, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. My son gets upset every time I leave the house. Without fail. No, dad, you can't leave. I'm just, I'm not able to be there all the time. I'm just Aaron, a man. I'm finite. But Jesus, who is everlasting, is able to be there by his Holy Spirit and one day face to face again. John said that the purpose of his gospel in the Bible was, quote, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. If Jesus lives forever and we have life in his name by embracing him as our very life, that means the second thing. We live forever. We live forever. Eternal life is not some out there possibility with the children of God. It is a present reality. When you are saved, you are transformed into a new creation. 1 John chapter 3, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Eternal life is a present reality. The circumstances of this world and of our lives may not necessarily change, but we are being changed from one degree of glory to the next because the life we now live, we live by faith in the Son of God. So here's, the, here's a question. Does that life, does your life as a child of God look different from the spiritual death that you were living in before Jesus rescued you? Does it look different C.S. Lewis wrote in his essay, The Weight of Glory, It is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses, to remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you can talk to may one day be a creature which, if you say it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship, or else a horror and a corruption such as you now meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. All day long we are, in some degree, helping each other to one or other of these destinations. It is in the light of these overwhelming possibilities. It is with the awe and the circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all our dealings with one another, all friendships, all loves, all play, all politics. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal, and their life to, is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is with immortals with whom we joke, work with, we marry, snub, and exploit, Lewis says, immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. In Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life, we are made everlasting splendors. Because he is everlasting. 
Jesus is everlasting. He will not leave us nor forsake us. And he gives us eternal life in his eternal life. Sounds like the everlasting father, doesn't it? That brings us to the second point. Jesus is the everlasting father. Did you hear that? Now, right at this moment, you should be stopping and thinking to yourself, Aaron, I've been reading my Bible. I thought Jesus was the Son of God and that there was God the Father. Is Jesus God the Father? Now, this thought would be right. You've been reading your Bible, that's what you should read. That's what's in there. We are a Trinitarian church, meaning that we believe that God is one God, there's only one God, and that he exists forever as three persons, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God never becomes God the Son, who never becomes God the Holy Spirit. God the Father has existed from eternity. God the Son has existed from eternity. God the Holy Spirit has existed from the eternity. God the Father is God. God the Son is God. God the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit is God. Are you, are you getting the picture? They are one God. Three persons. Now we're not going to go too deep into the doctrine of the Trinity today, but I say this to help us steer clear of heresy that has popped up. It popped up in the second century, thousands of years ago. And it still pops up today among some, pe- some teachers who would say that God is just one person who appeared across history in three different modes. Modalism. Now, if we think of Jesus as the mode in which God revealed himself in the New Testament, we will get God wrong. And we will miss what is meant by Jesus being called, his name shall be called, Everlasting Father. So what does it mean that Jesus is the Everlasting Father, is called the Everlasting Father? It means that Jesus is fully God, just as God the Father is fully God. It means that Jesus, the Son of God, and God the Father are united in purpose, in will, and mind. Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus said in John chapter 5, verses 19 through 20, the Son can do nothing on his own, of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. Jesus, according to Hebrews 1.3, is the exact imprint of, of God the Father's nature. And Colossians 1 verse 19, in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Even Jesus said, I and the Father are one. And one of the early disciples, Philip, said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long And you still do not know me, Philip. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me 
does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. They are together. They are in the tightest and most harmonious of relationships possible. Listen also to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. We are told to cast aside every weight and sin that clings so closely. And, verse 2, look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Did you catch that word, founder? That's partly what this means, that Jesus is the everlasting Father. It's like when we hear church fathers, or for this country, founding fathers. Well, we understand that they're not our biological parents, right? (laughs) I hope. But they had a founding role, a fatherly role, in keeping the church unified or founding the United States of America. Jesus is this for our faith. He brings sons and daughters to God. Remember when I just said that Jesus said, I and the Father are one? And right before that, in John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Do you know what this means for us? That Jesus is called Everlasting Father? Because Jesus is on the same mission, of the same mind, and of the same purpose as God the Father. When Jesus gives eternal life, he does not take it back. There are hundreds and thousands of kids today and throughout history in this world who lose or are disowned or are abandoned by their fathers. Any parent being gone from the life of the child is not the way it's supposed to be. But God is not this way. He is the everlasting father, the father of the fatherless. No child of his will ever lose him, and no child of his will ever be disowned. No child of his will ever be abandoned. The children brought to God the Father through Christ, who reveals the Father, who makes him known, as, first, as John chapter 1, verse 18 says, were never cast away. the devotional in your bulletin even says, you cannot be unchilded once you are made a child. If we... we, The truth of the matter is, we can't save ourselves. No amount of... The one thing you don't get to pick... There's probably some other things, but at least one that you don't get to pick... It's who your parents are. You don't get to pick that. 
You don't have any sovereignty. You have no say whatsoever. So we can't save ourselves enough to become God's child on our own. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If we believe what he has done, we are his child. And if we can't save ourselves, there is no way that we can keep ourselves saved. Do not think that God brings salvation and then says, well, I did my part. Now get to work. You get to work to be my child, son. No. God does have good works for us to do. He does have a way for us to live. But it is not lived for the purpose of keeping your salvation or, from, or to keep from losing your salvation. It is never meant as a way to pay God back, as if that were even possible. Eternal life is meant to be lived with him by his power because of his grace. He is a father who keeps and guides his children in what is good. Of his government and of peace, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Jesus is everlasting and his reign is everlasting and he rules as a good father who presents many sons and daughters in glory. Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. He says, if you then who are evil, that's a good way to start it, huh? If you then who are evil, and you are, how, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? You know, Jesus practiced what he preached. In Psalm 2, which we studied in our series through the book of Psalms recently, God the Father says this to the Son. He says, Ask of me, Son, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. So here's a question. Did Jesus ask? When God the Father told him to ask... Did Jesus obey? You bet he did. That's why we're reading. That's why we have Isaiah chapter 9. To us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. 
the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And he broke the nations by allowing himself to be broken. And he broke himself that you might be made whole. Because you have a loving Heavenly Father who chooses to call you child. And he does everything for your good. He gives you his son that you might be his son, that you might be his daughter. So this Advent, this Christmas season that we're celebrating, will you embrace the gift given to you from your Heavenly Father through Jesus, who is called the Everlasting Father? Jesus, who is one with the Father, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who brings many sinners and presents them as sons and daughters to, of God forever. There is no gift like this. There is no other Father like this. And he holds out his hand and just gives it. Receive it from the everlasting Father. And have life, real life, everlasting life in his name. Let's pray. Father in heaven. Father in heaven. You're the whole reason we can start our prayers this way. Amazing, Lord. Amazing. We pray for those who have not yet received your gift. We pray, Lord, you'd open their hearts that they would receive your gift and believe in the name of the Son that you sent. And for those of us who are already by your grace allowed to call you Father and can rightly call you Father, I pray, please refresh us in this. Renew us in this. Help us to tell others of this good gift, this good news. That you, the loving Father, didn't withhold didn't keep back, even though you had every right to. But you freely gave. How great the love that is lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this gift. Thank you that we get today and every day by your grace to celebrate this gift. We pray all these things in his name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Would you stand?
as we are dismissed and close our service today. Praise God that you were all able to make it. It's so great to, to see you. Thank you for coming for, to help support the kids and to worship with them and to worship with us. I want to leave us with a blessing from God's word today from the book of Jude. He says in verse 24, Now to him, that is the everlasting Father, who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. May you go in his strength today, in his love and his care as as a father. God bless you. You are dismissed.